Hello and welcome to Stories Told by Friends. You know, and so I, I really am quite solidly a skeptic when it comes to any sort of scary tale. However, I will tell you this, this little story right now. Um, this happened, as I said, about seven years ago in a charming little house on the riverbank in Saskatoon on Spadina Crescent. That's my friend Fran, and I think you're going to enjoy the stories she told me about things somewhat spooky, both from her childhood and from more recent memory. I'm Dave Dirksen, and here's the story. Fran, welcome. It is so great to have you volunteer to tell a story, and <laughs> I couldn't be more excited. How are you? I am very good, and thank you for, for having me on your show. This is really exciting. And are you uh, someone who tells stories often to family, friends, at parties when we used to have parties? Uh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not really one that will jump in with a story, but it's certainly, um, certainly I come from a family of, of a lot of storytellers that usually talk over each, each other. We're not good listeners, but we're, we're good at sort of talking over everyone. So, so yeah, they were all sort of clamoring with something uh, to say. So yes, yeah, I guess we are uh, storytellers. Excellent. And so uh, beyond coming from a family of storytellers, is there anything else that you would like to say as an introduction? Sure. Well, my name is uh, Fran Wary, and I'm a painter, and I have a studio practice in Regina. And what I have for you today is a scary story. Uh, and I hope, I hope you like, do you like stories with, that are, give you chills or, or shivers? You know, I, I used to like them more when I was younger. Now they yeah. seem to be too, too scary for me. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm cowering here and uh, I, I've got, <laughs> uh, you know, my family nearby and I've got all the lights on. So <laughs> hopefully I can make it through. But you, you, you did say that every collection or our collection for sure needs a scary story. Yeah. And yeah. every collection does. I actually really love, I love uh, scary stories. Um, I love the physical sensation you get from listening to a frightening tale, which I don't think really too many other stories offer that, you know, but you can, you know, you can get a very, you know, you'll put your hand over your eyes or you'll kind of have to suppress a scream or something like that. And and I really love that sensation. You listen to some of the other people on your podcasts and they sort of talk about their dish, traditions in their family of storytelling. We were the family of of scary stories. We we just all really love them. And my father was just, um, he was the master of the scary tale. And he was the ability to really paint a picture in your head of, of, of the story. And he always, he had two stories that he loved to sort of tell. And uh, one of them was a ghost story and the other one was sort of a psychotic killer. Um, and he would tell these stories to us when we were really little kids. And they always involved my grandfather, who was the protagonist and who drove around Saskatchewan in a, in an old Ford model T and, um, was selling singer sewing machines to all these farmhouses, farmers. And I don't think he ever did that, but dad made him into the protagonist. The Ford would, would get either caught in a snowstorm or stuck. 
And then he would have to make his way to an abandoned farmhouse, which had a like a, the ghost of a murdered wife in it, or he had would find someone living in a farmhouse in it. And he would say, yes, of course, stay the night. But then he'd look out the window and the, and the farmer was sharpening a knife in the moonlight. He'd look up at, the, at, at grandpa's, where grandpa was sleeping. And it always had this um, kind of ending where grandpa, who was the unlikely hero, and he would have to walk for miles to get the authorities and resolve this kind of uh, this whatever was happening and they were magnificent stories and I just remember being very very young and just insisting that he tell these these tales to me and also our summer cabin happened to be on the site of the old Anna Turnbull hospital which was on the the shores of of Waka Lake and the hospital had long since gone but the old mission house and the presbyterian mission house was was our family cabin and because it had been the site of a hospital there was a graveyard on on this property and by the time we were there the graveyard was was uh grown in with bush um but we still uh maintained the graveyard uh we we would we would sort of clear out bush um, paths in the bushes and people would come and, and look for their relatives in this place and so it was quite a, a substantial, there's quite a number of graves in this place as well. And it kind of stretched along the path that we took to walk down to our swimming hole. While the the grave site was kind of respected and we, we sort of, you know, maintained it, the bushes along along the path to the swimming hole were just fair game. And that's where we really um, perfected the skill of, of just scaring our, each other uh, constantly. Parents scared the little children, and you know, children scared parents. It was just this constant fear theater that we sort of created along the along the path. And the one, who, the person who was really exceptional at scaring little kids was my mother. Um, she just knew how to make the most terrifying experience for us, <laughs> and so she'd actually set us up. She'd say, you know, why don't you go for a swim after supper? And then she would wait in the bushes with a blanket over her. As we were coming up, we'd we'd see this this figure in the in the side in the bushes. And you know how your brain works. You're thinking, am I am I really seeing something there, or is that something else? And then she would just move under the blanket, and then your brain would kick in and realize, oh, you know that there is something there, and you know your blood would sort of run to you. <laughs> rush to your extremities and you get the hair kind of hair rising up in the back of your neck and then just before you screamed or fainted or threw up or whatever she would she would sort of chuckle and sort of end it so it was always this kind of perfect scare that was safe for it was never sort of chasing down that would have been sort of crass to sort of you know do that and when I look back on that I think I think really it was kind of wise for them to do that because when you are existing beside human remains and gravestones, I, I think as kids, you could easily sort of make that into, you know, let superstitions come in or kind of fetishize that kind of that, that kind of place. And, and instead, I think it was really kind of a, a lesson for all of us that this is this is here and you have to learn to sort of 
deal with it and uh, respect it. I was like a Grimm's, those old Grimm's fairy tale that not everything is as it seems. Something that seems very frightening is actually quite benign. And something, I guess the flip side of that would be, I guess, your mother <laughs> could actually be not, you know, someone who seems very innocent and benign can actually can actually have a sinister sort of side to them. So I think that was kind of a sophisticated lesson, I think, that that uh, you learn through fairy tales. And I think that we learn through living through the safe scares that we had there. It was really fun. <laughs> but I, uh, you know, as I said, I love I love a scary tale. They're so much a part of you. So something that you might find fairly benign or something to listen to would be terrifying for the rest of us. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining I'm going to have to hold on to the edge of my seat here. Okay, now I'll get to my tale of terror. And I should say, actually, before, before I start on my story, having grown up with that really has made me a, a skeptic because under, you know, never at any time had we ever come across any anything, you know, there was no paranormal experience that we ever had. Anything that we experienced was fabricated by another human being. You know, it was never anything that, you know, and so I, I really am quite solidly a skeptic when it comes to any sort of scary tale. You know, in, in the time that I've known you, I, I see you as pretty unflappable, actually. Like, it would, <laughs> I, I, I think it would take a lot to unnerve you or, or to scare you. I, 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 think, I think that's probably true. Yeah. However, I will tell you this, this little story right now. Um, this happened, as I said, about seven years ago in a charming little house on the riverbank in Saskatoon on Spadina Crescent. And this house belonged to uh, a friend of mine who was in her 90s. And she had had dementia for a number of years. And she had asked me prior to that to be her power of attorney. I had decided long ago that I was going to keep her in her house as long as I could. She she loved her home. She loved her garden. And I thought, you know, I, I want to have enough support for her so that she can stay there. Anyone who's cared for someone with dementia knows that there's a certain point I, I describe as just as just a tower of blocks, that it, it just becomes quite precarious uh, having them stay there. And it starts to become just kind of an impossible thing to continue on staying in their home. And we had definitely sort of reached that point. Uh, it was really getting hard. Uh, I would make several trips, regular trips to Saskatoon. We would try to get appointments in and I would try to sort of care for the house. And this particular trip, things just went sideways. It was just a really, nothing kind of worked out. So she was angry at me and uh, and she was kind of suspicious of me. She had long ago forgotten that she asked me to sort of take care of her affairs. And she she was really suspicious as to why I was there. It was just a bad day all around. So she finally went to bed and I went to bed in this little room that that I just loved. It was at the back of the house, kind of away from everything. And I always called it my sanctuary. I went into the room and closed the door and I was reading in bed and I must have fallen asleep with the light on. And I woke up and I noticed that the the door, which was at the foot of the bed, was open. And I immediately thought, oh no, you know, my friend has come in. She's she saw me in here and and she is, you know, didn't recognize who I was, and this is going to be an issue. And just as I was thinking about that, a figure started to come through the door. And it was not my friend. And this figure had long 
flowing hair or long stringy hair. I wouldn't call it flowing. And it moved in a way very slowly and very awkwardly as though its its limbs weren't really, really connected in its joints weren't really connected. And it moved into the room and started to move up alongside my bed. And I was completely frozen. I couldn't scream. I couldn't move. I was terrified. And as it moved up alongside of my bed, I could see sort of its very old wrinkled skin, these kind of liver spots. And I could see sort of a a glistening kind of oily sweatiness on its skin. And it had this kind of a rudimentary pelvis. There was no sort of genitals or anything, but this kind of almost like a Barbie doll pelvis. And as it came up to my, my head and chest, it pressed this pelvis onto me and pushed down and, and literally just pushed, pushed the breath out of me. And I was, you know, just feeling this pressure. And then suddenly the figure was gone. My light was still on and the door was closed. I was just scared out of my wits. And so I kept the light on and I just waited for morning to come. And I thought about this and I thought, okay, clearly that was a nightmare. Clearly that was a nightmare. That was something my subconscious was trying to work out and probably just sort of thinking about the events of of the day. And my subconscious was probably trying to tell me something like maybe I was dehumanizing my friend and I wasn't, I wasn't looking at the human in the disease. I was just seeing the dementia and it was scaring me. And maybe that's what it was all about. And so I gradually sort of, you know, said, yeah, that that's what it that's what this was. It was a dream. It was just that was the most vivid dream I've ever had. And that was weird. And I never really told anybody about it. I think because it was such a physical feeling, I, I just thought that was just the strangest thing that I've I've ever experienced. And years went by and and I never told a soul about it. And actually it was just this past winter that I was watching some show on television, some thriller. And one of the characters was was saying that they thought that someone was coming into their room at night. And the other character said, don't be ridiculous. All that was, was the common phenomenon of the old hag coming in and sitting on your chest. And I said, what? What was that? This is a thing? What? And I immediately went, you know, and looked it up on the internet. And all this information started popping about up about the night hag. And apparently it's been documented for several hundred years in cultures all over the world. They all have different names for it. And sometimes it's called a shadow figure. Uh, sometimes it's called, uh, you know, a demon. Uh, but most often it appears as an old hag, a witch that comes in either through the door or in through your window, crawls up on your bed, and sits on your chest. And sometimes there's a weird sort of sexual angle, and sometimes not. There's even a 
whole community in Newfoundland where this is just so common among the whole sort of population that they've kind of made a verb out of it. They, they've said, you know, I was hagged last night or I had a hagen happen to me. Universities have done studies on this and there is an explanation for it. And in fact, it's a scientific explanation. Well, thank goodness. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Take all the fun out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it is sleep paralysis. And apparently... This is the, the lay person's explanation of this. You'll probably get hundreds of letters correcting me on this, Dave. Apparently, we fall asleep in stages, and we eventually get to rapid, the rapid eye movement state, REM sleep, which is really a necessary stage that you, that you go into so you, your body can rejuvenate and everything can work as it as it should. You know, your organs start to pump out the proper hormones and your and, and chemicals, and in order to protect you and stop you from acting out in this stage where you're in this uh, vivid dreams, your body goes into a paralysis so that you don't move and get up and, and sort of do things. And if you fall asleep too quickly and fall asleep not going through all the stages, you can be in that stage, kind of frozen paralysis, and you be can become conscious. And when that happens, your brain and you start to sort of freak out and causes the sort of fear to sort of overtake you and you hallucinate. And I mean, the majority of cases, the hallucination is of an old woman. So, but why the consistency of the hallucination? Why wouldn't everybody's hallucination be slightly different based on who they are? And, and why, why would there be a consistency of the older figure and sitting, sitting on your chest? Like that, that, that doesn't add up for me. So I think the sitting on your chest is that along with, with the, the paralysis, you are in a very shallow breathing state, right? So immediately when you start to get afraid, you try to take a deep breath and you can't. And so you feel a pressure on your chest. So that's where that comes from. And as far as what people see, there's explanations that they think that's where UFOs take you away. Like people, they think that that's a part of the hallucination that, you know, they'll see other things like they'll make them into to Martians or whatever else. And maybe there's just sort of a primordial fear of old women. I don't know. And I think that's one thing. I'm kind of almost delighted to have had this bizarre experience. I think like 8% of the population have, have had this type of experience. But I'm ashamed of myself because for me to think of the most terrifying hallucination and to have it be an old woman is just terrible. It's such a stereotype to think that's, you know, that's the scariest thing I could, my brain could come up with because I, I know so many old women and I love them. They're so wise and, and, and witty and, and funny. And I think it's kind of, dis I'm disappointed in myself that I, that I sort of, that is the image that came up, you know, in sort of thinking about that whole experience, I've decided that I'm going to sort of take, take that image and, and really kind of own it. And I think it's going to, you know, I've decided that I've, uh, that was my inner old crone. And it was just a reminder to me, you know, to to uh, to not to fear old age because anything anything that happens is just you know something that I've created in my own head, 
and uh, that really, you know, we have to sort of show patience to the elderly now because we're all on the same path. We all have that inner old crone in us. An elderly woman is not sort of the picture of threat that we would normally associate with something frightening. But I wonder if everyone who has that experience, like in that place in Newfoundland where it's so common, whether it's something where they just experience the old woman or whether they have fear of the old woman. I think most of it, I think people are are very afraid when they when they have that. I mean, it doesn't, you don't come through that and sort of think that it was, it was a gentle old woman. It, it was a very threatening presence. You know, they asked people if they, if they believed in, in, in ghosts and they would say no. And they said, what about the old night hag? And they went, absolutely, definitely. That, that night hag is real. But I mean, again, it's the, the understanding that, that the biggest fears are just created by what's in our own head. Oh, yeah. That was giving me the shivers. And it's giving me the shivers now because now that you've said, like even with the scientific explanation, that'd still be a terrifying experience. And the fact that, you know, maybe one in 12 people actually have this, like now I'm really scared to go to bed. (laughs) This is what always (laughs) happens with scary stories. I'm scared to go to bed. I know. But you have to admit, the scare is, it's kind of a good feeling, isn't it? Like the scare is kind of good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, just as long as there's an acquired taste <laughs> in, in 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 the light yeah oh that's a that's a really cool story and and that it would happen coincidentally while you were looking after someone in old age i i guess it's just circumstances and you've given me the explanation but it does seem not quite coincidental google it after after we, you know, after this is over, and you'll see that that it is just mine is just textbook as far as what this experience is. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Wow. Thanks. That was that was fantastic. And in, in that, I I learned a lot, and I was scared at the same time. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> I I thought for sure you were going to tell even more stories about your family cabin out at Waka Lake and and the proximity to the the graveyard, et cetera. Cause I remember hearing about those, but, yeah, uh, yeah. but this, this was, this was more chilling, but especially when you said it was just seven years ago. Like, oh, wow. I know. That's, I know. It's not I some know. childhood fantasy. This is something. Yeah. When I mean, it recent. happens to the, yeah, the, the sort of seasoned skeptic, it was quite the thing. Oh, yeah. that's good. Well, it uh, reminded me of some stories that, happened to to me while I was watching horror movies that kind of put me <laughs> off horror movies. I had some physical manifestations of things that shouldn't have happened, but were kind yeah. of chan- channeling things from, from the movie. And so that kind of put me off that it could become real. Like, and so this, this actual paralysis that you experience, that I find that really terrifying. So, oh my gosh. So, okay. Well, that was great. That was exactly the different kind of story that we needed in the collection <laughs> we have not had one of those so yeah so thank you that, that was well that, that was, was a lot fun. of fun yeah yeah it was yeah and you know sweet dreams yeah <laughs> for sure i'm getting quite a bit of response already to fran's terrifying tale this one comes from carla in canada she says aka night terrors My first was at Candle Lake, at a friend's parents' cottage. I thought it was a bear sitting on my chest. Then I came to and started screaming. 
he and his mom and dad and a couple of other friends were all there and seven faces hovered over me as I was sweating profusely. That was fun. Thanks, Carla. A big thank you to Fran for getting in touch to volunteer to tell those great stories. I was so excited to actually get mail. It's, it's become... It's, it, <laughs> Except it, it, it was like, it was just, a, you know, it was crashing your, your podcast. I kind of feel like I'm, I kind of invited myself here. So. Well, but that's what I was saying. If, if, if you want to tell a story, you can just let me know. But I'm, I'm kind of like this desperate, you know, teenager saying, hey, call me or email me. And no one calls or emails anymore. They all have social media ways of, of you know, leaving comments, etc. So please do get in touch. Stories told by friends at gmail.com. See you soon.